Now, the verses that I would like to call to our attention this morning as we prepare to, to study God's Word is James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27 uh, have the full context of where we want to be this morning. We will concentrate primarily this morning in verses 21 through 25, but uh, we want to go ahead and read. To begin with, James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, as they represent to us what I consider to be a block of thought from which we will take material this morning. So if you have your Bibles, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the, law, into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. All right, this morning, what we want to discuss among ourselves is the difference between hearing and doing. The Bible is very clear in these verses, especially verses 21 through 25, that there is a difference between hearing the Word of God and doing the Word of God. Now, I call your attention again. We'll concentrate on verses 21 through 25, and I, I want to read them again this morning uh, as we begin to consider these verses. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, the first point that I want to call to our attention this morning to, to look at is the fact that we are to receive the Word of God. I found it very interesting when uh, Blake prayed this morning for us. That was one of the words that he used to make us ready to receive the Word of God. In the last lesson that we looked at last week, we looked at uh, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, and we saw that how important it was for us to listen to the Word of God. Remember what we looked at last week. Be quick to hear, be slow to speak slow to become angry. And we made the point that we aren't to be quick to hear, eat absolutely everything that's coming our way, that specifically within the context, the verses are talking about being quick to hear the Word of God, what God has to say to us. Now, in verse 21, James is going to pick up this matter again. And James writes this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. Now, your turn. What does the word receive mean to you? What what'd you say, Take possession of? Does anybody have a, a different translation that maybe has another word? Except that that you'll you'll see the word except in, in some in some translations of the Bible at, at that point. 
welcome. That 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 is getting to the, that is getting much closer to the actual meaning of this word received there. And, and and you see a difference between taking possession of something and welcoming it. Well, it's interesting that there's actually two words, two primary words in the Bible that get translated by the word receive. One of them is is I got to find myself. One of them is uh, the Greek word lambano, and that means to grasp, and that's a lot like what you were saying, is to take possession of something, to reach out, take hold of it, uh, meaning to receive. That's not the Greek word that's used here. The Greek word that's used here is the Greek word dekomai, and Andrew really got to the bottom line of what that word dekomai means when he used the word welcome. Now, when you think about the word welcome, where's the, where's the, when you think about that word, Where's the place that you normally see that word? On a mat. Where? On a mat in front of somebody's front door. And what does that mean to you when you walk up to somebody's front door and there's this doormat out there that says welcome? They're hospitable. What else? They're eager to have visitors. Yeah. We're glad you're here. All of the all these are fitting right into a pattern that I want you to see. You're wel you're welcome. We're eager to have visitors. Stay a while. That's a, you're, you're helping me out here a lot. You're helping me out here a lot. Stay a while. Is the word again readiness, ready to have somebody come in. I want to make the point as we, as we discuss all these various things is if you are hospitable and you are ready to have people into your home and you're glad for them to come and stay a while and you are prepared to have them into your home, does it not occur to us, to you, that what this verse here is saying to us is that we need to be the exact same way when it comes to the word of God? How many of us are more than happy to have people come into our home and we provide them food and we provide them fellowship and, and all of those kind of things, but we don't have the same place in our life for the Word of God? A lot of us relegate the Word of God to nothing but a Sunday activity. A lot of us relegate the Word of God to nothing but something that we do 30 minutes every morning. The verse here, that we're, when we see that word receive, we need to realize that that means that we need to be as ready for the Word of God to come into our lives as we are for somebody to walk through the front door of our house and be part of our lives. Am I making sense here? Does everybody, everybody see where I'm going? And by the way, I got way off my outline here uh, when, I, when, we, when we talked about that, but be that as it may, that's fine. Now, the word that's translated in the King James is able. If you look at if you look at verse 21 again, it says, "Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive the meat with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls." Very familiar Greek word. You've heard it expounded upon several times. The Greek word dunamai, and what's usually said after that is we get our English word dynamite from that word. Well, that's true, but that's not really. Uh, that that really doesn't help us a whole lot with that word dunamai. We could but we could literally translate that word not is is able but has the power. It is a present participle which indicates an ongoing action. So once again, what we see is this word that the, the word is sufficient not only for something that happened in time past, but it is sufficient for what's going on in our lives right now. It is a present participle. It is powerful in the present as an ongoing action. Now, the uh, two words that we've already gone over, meaning the, which are translated receiver, first of all, lombano, which is to grasp, and then decamai, which means to welcome. And we, we've talked about that word welcome very much. 
What I see when I see that word welcome is I see an open, submissive spirit. An open, submissive spirit that will allow the Holy Spirit to pour the word into somebody's life. And I use the picture of a jar. A jar is basically composed of two parts, is it not? you got the glass thing on the bottom, and you have the, the lid, the metal thing that screws on top. Very good, or the plastic thing nowadays that screws on top. The, the word dekomai, to me here, when, it talks, when I talk about an open, submissive spirit, means a jar without a lid. Now, I want you to think about your life for a minute, and I'll think about my life as we do this. What's the lid that we put on our lives to keep the word out? And it's going to be a different answer for everybody in here. What is the lid on your life that keeps the word out? Busyness. I said it was going to be a different answer for everybody. But, you know, that's a lot of my answer, too, is I get so busy day to day with my work and with things like that that it's effectively a lid on the jar to keep the word of God out. But that's not the only answer. What are the other answers? Self-will, what do you mean by that, Glenn? Okay, am I hearing the word hardness there? Yeah, yeah a, a, a self-inflicted hardness of heart. Okay, that okay, I understand that. Any others? Yeah, self-interpretation of the word. I, I think that that's an excellent example. Uh, reading into scripture, eisegesis versus exegesis, and uh, you know, reading into the word what you want it to say rather than taking out the word what it actually says. Very good. Yeah, others. All right, I'll give you one more of mine. Apathy. Complete, yeah, that's probably two different things. Uh, they have some. They have some interconnectedness. Complacence. Uh, my apathy is, you know, I've done this every day this week. Can I, can I just leave out for a day here, not realizing that the time spent in the Word is probably the best time of the day? Uh, complacency is another thing, though. You know, a lot of us are complacent in that I'm not going to get anything new out of this. Uh, why bother? Any others before we go on? Lynn, are you looking at something to edify us with there or just for your Yeah, I'll wait for just a second then. Yeah. Anybody else? Verse 21 there uses the word engrafted. And I spent a lot of time last Sunday morning talking about that word engrafted. I just want to, I just want to reiterate again that the word engrafted there I see as the bond between the power of the word and the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God without the Holy Spirit is nothing more than black ink on white paper. For the unbeliever, it is foolishness. But when it is engrafted into the soul, into the heart by the Holy Spirit, is when the Word of God has power. The Holy Spirit has power. The Word of God has power when in conjunction with each other, and that's what I see with that word engrafted. Psalm 119, verse 11. You can probably quote it. I, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Very good. Two, two main elements there, right? There's a word, there's a word and it goes where? In the mind? No, in the mind, that's nothing but black ink on white paper. Thy word have I hid in my heart, my inmost being, the source of my will, the source of my uh, deepest thoughts. And then it has that verse has a second part, doesn't it? That I, against thee. You see practical outworking of sanctification. The word internal in the heart has an outworking. And what will, you know, we often call that something to, in today's vernacular in Christianity is the word in the heart produces fruit in life. It's the exact same idea. Now, I want to turn in our Bibles just for a minute. Hold your place in James. And I want to look at a couple of verses here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. As you turn there, 
what I would like to say about these verses is that in these verses we have an example of people who refuse to receive the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they, and who's the they there, by the way? People, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's get a little more specific. It, it is people. Yeah, it, 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 well, yeah your, your word choice is very, is very precise there. They're supposed brethren or false brethren. It is people in a congregation that would appear to be Christians, but their actions prove that they're not Christians. That, and, and that's what we see here. For the, the time will come when they, and uh, if anybody's heard my study in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 6, it, Hebrews chapter 5 and chapter 6, you know that they is always opposed to us or we. Us includes the writer and the saved people. They is usually referring to a group outside who are not saved. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heed to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, I'll ask the question one more time. What is it, and it's a different, ask the question a different way, what is it about the word of God that people that are not saved makes them refuse to receive it? They think it's a list of do's and don'ts, their own desires, or their own, uh, uh, the King James uses a different word for desires. It uses their own lust. Yeah. Right, yeah. People, people that do not have the Holy Spirit enabling them to see the truth of the Word of God are diametrically opposed to the truth by their very nature. Thank you, Glenn. Very good. Anything else? Anybody else have any, any thought on that? They have itching ears. What, and what does that mean? To, what? The Word of God is not enough. Yeah. Want to hear something new. Want to hear something exciting. Want to hear something that feeds their flesh or lust, to go back to the same word that we... That we right. Yeah. I, I think about uh, the Thomas Jefferson Bible. Cut out any mention of any miracle and cut out any mention of the resurrection. And now we have a Word of God that is palatable to the quote-unquote thinking man. Yeah. All right, well, let's press on to point number two. And we're back in James now, James chapter one. Not only are we, are we to receive the word of God, James in verses 21 to 22 is also going to tell us how to receive the word of God. Now, if you're thinking along with me, you're thinking along, sure, I know I need to receive the word of God. The next question in your mind is, Ellen says, how? How do I receive the Word of God? Well, James chapter 1, verses 21 to 22 tell us not only to receive the Word of God, but how to receive the Word of God. Verse 21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, verses 21 to 22 here, I see three different ways that James tells us that we are to go about receiving or welcoming the Word of God. Now, the first one that I want you to see is in verse 21. And the words that I want to lay to your attention are the words, lay apart. Lay apart. What does that mean, to lay something apart? If you were going to do some synonyms, set aside, get rid of it, discard Put away, put away, and, 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 uh, and I'm, I'm, I want to introduce you two words that wrap up that. One of those words is separation. The idea of putting, apart, uh, putting aside, putting apart, laying apart is an idea of complete separation, right? 
Now, the other word that I want to put out for your consideration here is we use a, a term that I think describes this process of laying aside or putting, uh, laying apart, putting apart, putting aside uh, frequently. And I believe it is misused a lot in the modern church, especially in America, and that's the word repentance. What does the word repentance mean to you? Well, I'll, time out. What does the word repentance mean to the average person in the average church in America? I'm sorry. Perfect. I am sorry because I did something wrong. Anybody else? Anybody else want to offer up the definition of the word repentance to the typical person in the typical church? To say a prayer and move on. To say a prayer and move on. Now, yeah, right. I confess. You know, I, I realize that what I did was a sin. Now, is that a true? Glenn, you want to say something? Yeah, but but you are. I think you're moving exactly where we want to move. It, what is a true biblical definition of repentance? It does involve confession, it does it not? It involves recognition of sin. It involves confession of sin. But what does it involve? Forsaking sin. The exact same word, well, the exact same idea that we're looking at in verse 21. Laying apart, putting aside. Repentance is more than just saying, recognizing I did something wrong and saying I'm sorry that I did something wrong. It is intentionally laying aside, putting apart that which is wrong. Uh, so the... Uh, Back to the idea of welcoming. If you're going to be prepared to welcome a guest into your house, what's and I'm probably talking mostly to the ladies here. You guys probably have no clue what I'm talking about. But if you if you think you're going to have somebody come over today to your house, what is generally one of the, one of the things that comes to your mind first? <laughs> I said I said lady. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly. Uh, cleaning the house is one of the first things that comes to our mind when we think about welcoming somebody into our house. That You know, it would be nice if, the, if, if somebody's going to come here and they're going to spend some time here and we're going to have fellowship, that the house be clean. You don't want to let them see how you really... Well, well the, the idea of this welcoming and this repentance is somewhat akin to that, but not exactly. Because I want to make, I want to make the point here, if you think you're going to welcome somebody into your house, you generally do the cleaning when? Before they show up. Now, there's a bit of difference here. The Word of God and this idea of repentance is what does the cleaning when it comes in. Now, wouldn't that be great? Just think along with me here. Is You're going to welcome somebody in your house, and they're going to come visit. They're going to come stay the afternoon, maybe even stay overnight. Wouldn't it be great if they walked to the door, and the first thing they said is, well, before they came, they said, I'm going to clean your house when I get there. Now, how great would that be? The first, they said, the first thing, before we sit down and visit, before we're able to have a fellowship, I'm going to have to come in and I'm going to clean your house for you. But you see, the idea with repentance requires that, does it not? Because what happens if we try to clean our house ourselves before the Word of God comes in? Did Jesus not tell a parable about that? Well, you are precisely right. All of our righteousness is filthy rags. No matter how much we think we can clean our house, what are we left with after we finish cleaning ourselves? We're left with filthy rags. Remember, Jesus told a story about someone who cleansed their house of seven demons and then didn't do anything. And what happened? Well, cleansed the house of a demon, didn't do anything else. And what happened? Seven demons worse than the first came in. That is, I believe that one of the principles that Jesus is trying to teach there is the idea of self-cleansing because it doesn't really work. So this idea of, of cleaning the house before, before welcoming the Word of God 
has some measure of truth, but it doesn't present the whole thing because it is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that comes in that does the cleaning. Now, if you got your hold your place there in James, and we're going to go uh, look at uh, some more verses over in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verses seventeen to twenty-four. I want you to notice a very specific order that Paul writes in as we read this. It's Ephesians chapter four, verses seventeen to twenty-four. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, then do what? Then put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So what's first? Put off the old man, which is corrupt. And what's second? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then third? And then put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, when I talk about in order, I, 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 I seem to be speaking chronologically, and I'm not speaking chronologically per se, because you can't do one and the other two not follow. But the idea there is an order, putting off, being renewed, putting on. But you can't divorce them. You can't separate them. You can't make them into three Absolutely distinct things at three distinct periods of time. It is all part of this process of uh, of, of salvation, of, of justification, putting off the old man, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, and putting on the new man. It all happens. There's not an ABC choice, pick or pick two out of three. It's a all or nothing proposition. All right. Uh, now there's two words there uh, in verse 21. What are we to lay apart? Actually, there's more than two words. There's two, two ideas. There's two things that we're supposed to lay apart. And what are those things? Verse uh, 21. Excuse me. Verse 21. Filthiness is one of them. Very good. And the other is overflow of wickedness, superfluity of naughtiness, rampant wickedness, depending on which version of the Bible that you're looking at. Uh, two very interesting words. Filthiness, rupus, literally means earwax. Uh, so, uh, uh, so something that, and I, I just, I'll stretch a little bit here. This may be over allegorization, but things that keep you from hearing the word of God. And the second thing, wickedness or superfluity of naughtiness, rampant wickedness, literally means an abundance of depravity. So the two things that we are to set aside. Now, second, uh, first, we are to receive the word of God with repentance. Now, second, look in the verse there. Verse, uh, verse 21, and there's a word that describes how we are to receive the Word of God. We are to receive it with what? With meanness. Some versions of the Bible, you may have a different word out there. Maybe not. Maybe everybody's got the word meanness. Some versions of the Bible use the word humility at this point. Verse 21 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, what is meant by the word meek or meekness? Ready to be taught. Very good. I already gave you one. Humility, humbleness, ready to be taught, self-control, 
openness. You, you, you know one of the, the classic extra-biblical uses of the word meek is uh, from, from, uh, from uh, Koine Greek? It was used to describe a horse, broken and trainable. Does it mean weak? No. Just because they rhyme doesn't mean they mean the same thing, okay? <laughs> uh, now, I'll just put a proposition out before you to let you think about. I propose that some people do not understand the Word of God uh, because they, and this may even be true for believers, that some people will not receive and accept the Word of God as they should because they prayed it past the jury of their mind. They refuse to accept what the Bible says. And it generally goes like this. I know what it says, but... I'm going to pray about it there. You can fill in the blanks. I know what it says, but that was written for that day and time. I know what it says, but... Anybody else have anything? What? I know God wants me to be happy. Perfect. I know what it says, but God told me to do something else or contrary to the word. Yeah, uh, You get the idea about parading the Word of God past the jury of their mind. Now, unbelievers do that routinely, without exception. But believers do it also. Parade the Word of God past the jury of your mind and decide if you're really going to receive it or not. Uh, third, we are not only to receive the Word of God first with repentance, second with meekness, but in verse 22 we have another idea. We are to receive the Word of God with responsiveness. Look at verse 22 with me. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now, take that verse apart for me. How do we deceive ourselves? I want the biblical, I want the verse answer from verse 22. How do we deceive ourselves? We deceive ourselves when we, when we hear it, but we don't obey it. Now, let that sink in for a minute. How do you deceive yourself? How does the unbeliever deceive themselves? How do even believers deceive themselves? They hear the word of God, and then they don't act on it. And that means either do nothing or do something completely different. Because what is it? it doesn't just say be a doer. It says be a doer of the word. There are so many people in the church in America today who read the word of God, and then they do what they want to do, not what the word of God says do what King Saul? How, how so? Right. So he was commanded to go and slay all the was it the Amalekites? Right. I, I believe it was all. And I could be wrong, but I believe he was told to go slay all the Amalekites. But what did he want to do? Right. Well, he wanted to keep the livestock, and then some people might say he wanted to keep the livestock. And then when he was confronted, then he added, oh, to make a sacrifice. And, and you know that that that's reading intention into the word. What do you say? Yeah, it's possible, but that, that's what many people read into that when uh, they see that. But, but specifically, he was told to do something, and then he did kind of what he was told to do, but not completely what he was told to do. Very good. Uh, I'm going to let Jesus illustrate this principle for us uh, over in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. If you know you're turning to Matthew chapter 7, we're turning to what part of the Scriptures? What? The Gospels. We're turning to the Sermon on the Mount. If we turn into chapter 7, we know we are turning to the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. If we're turning to verses 24 to 27, we know we are turning to the the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So, uh, so some people would say, 
If you want Jesus' concluding remarks about the Sermon on the Mount, well, let's just read verses 24 to 27 and see how the Sermon on the Mount wraps up. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 27. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and remember what this is. This is the Sermon on the Mount. There are people listening to this. Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these words of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The difference is not in hearing, is it? What's this, what was both people, both men, they built a house, and that is likened to doing what? To hearing the word of God. But what made the difference? It wasn't the hearing, it was the, what? the doing. The foundation is the doing. Do you see how we get that backwards most of the time? Most of the time we say the hearing of the word is the foundation and the doing is what's built upon it. What did Jesus just say? Jesus just said that the doing of the word is the foundation. Hearing is meaningless without the doing. It's the doing of the word that is the foundation. I like to hyperbolize. Hyperbolize means stating things in a, in a grandiose way. This is one of my hyperboles. What is the biggest problem in the church today? Listening to sermons. Now, why would I say that? Why would I say that the biggest problem in our church today is listening to sermons? What? What, what? I think Herman got it, though. People don't do what the Word says. You know what the biggest compliment you can give to the preacher or the teacher of the Word of God is? Is it to go up to them after the sermon or teaching and say, that was the best I've ever heard. Is that a, is that a compliment? No, that's not a compliment. I don't want to, you know, if you think I did a good job, I don't want to hear about it. I probably didn't, but if, I don't want to hear about it. What's the biggest compliment you can give to the preacher or the teacher? To act on it, to go and do what it says. Uh, now, believe it or not, I'm just about finished here. Uh, so I will, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I, this, this, is, this is perhaps, I get excited when I find some things every once in a while. Verse 22 is one of those things that I, that I got really excited when I looked. Do you see the word hearers there? Be not just hearers. That is not the typical word in the Greek that is used for hearing or hearers. It is a, it's a very interesting word. The Greek word is a krotes. It means auditor. Now, who knows what an auditor means something in the English language. What does auditor mean? And one of them is going to be wrong and one of them is going to be right, by the way. What does an auditor mean? A fact checker. Okay. Uh, that's not, that's not really the meaning of the word auditor here. Now, what? It's kind of that way. If you want to go to college and go to a course in a college, but you don't want to get any credit for it, you don't want to go through all the process of enrolling and taking the final exam and doing all that, you can do what? You can go in and audit a course. That is our. That is what our English equivalent of this word is. Is someone who hears, but they have no what? They have no accountability. They have no accountability. They have no responsibility. They are there for the information. How many churches have we filled in America with people that are there just to hear the information and not do it? Uh, and then another one. If we found something interesting about the word hearer, supposedly we could find something very interesting about the word doer as well, right? It's very interesting how this works out. The word doer there, 
is the Greek word poetis. Literally means a poet. Now, think about that for a minute. To render this literally into an English that we can think of is don't be an auditor of the word, but be a poet of the word. Now, what does that mean? What did you uh, Right. Yeah. See, I'm an engineer, and I work in cold, hard facts. I'm not a poet. Uh, and, what, and when I look at this word about being a poet of the word, I get the idea who, of someone who is able to, to, to work with the words and to bring them to, to life. Isn't that an interesting word picture? See, I can sit and analyze these words all day long. And I, and I love doing that, by the way. I love going through and uh, what, what tenses us in. And, and, and Mike and I have this conversation every once in a while that, uh, that uh, you know, i got to know all the mechanics of this word. But how often do we consider ourselves a poet of the word to actually take these black, this black ink on white paper and bring it to life in our lives? Now, one more point, point number three, our response to receiving the word of God. We've seen that we're to receive the Word of God. We've seen about how to receive the Word of God. Now, we have a response to receiving the Word of God. Verses 23 through 25 are our response. For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, or a mirror, as some of your versions might say. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice there's, there's a letter difference there in our English language. A bit different. Doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, James gives us a word picture in verses 23 through 24. Now, a show of hands. Everybody who looked in a mirror before you came to church this morning. It was a unanimous. It just a, Andrew didn't, okay. <laughs> All right. 90% of the people in this room looked in a mirror before you came to church today. Why? Why did it matter? Why? To see all the people. That, that's way too deep from where, where I'm going. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's probably the right answer. Way too deep where I want to be, though. We want to see if we are, not, not quite accepted, that's still too deep. What? Presentable. Ready. What we, perfectly, we, you're, you're right along with me here. We want to see if there's anything that I need to be, that I need to change in order to be ready. And I look in the mirror and what do I see? You know, I, I see I need to shave. I need to shave, and I need to brush my hair, and I need to do all these things in order to be ready to come to church this morning. Now, James is using this exact word picture with us because how foolish would it have been for me to get up this morning and say, boy, you need to shave and you need to brush your hair, and then to turn and walk and get in the car and come to church. I would have done what? By looking in the mirror, I would have done nothing but wasted my time, right? If I'm going to get in the car and come to church without changing those things that need to be changed, I have wasted my time by looking into the mirror, right? Now, what's the word picture here? Looking in the mirror is what? Hearing the word of God. James is giving us a word picture here that a man who looks in the mirror and then turns away and forgets what he looks like, what needs to be changed is like a person who looks into the mirror or looks into the word of God, but then doesn't do what it says. It's a waste of time. 
to take in the Word of God and then don't do what it says. That's the word picture that, that, that we're being given here. Uh, verse 25 is set into con- in contrast to verses 23 and 24. Verse 25, where we'll end today, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Forgetful hearer. That catching by his attention, um, maybe the parable of the sower. What happened to the first seed? By the way, the parable of the sower, you had the seed, and the seed is what? The word of God. What happens to the first seed? The person hears it, and the birds snatch it away. Or in the application, what does Jesus say? It's not the birds. It is Satan that snatches it away. That is what James, I believe, is talking about here, about being a forgetful hearer. The word of God has gone into the head, through the ears, into the head, and then when it is not acted upon, what happens to it? Satan snatches it away. Now that is primary in the parable. That's primarily that's aimed. Not primarily. It is aimed at the unbeliever, and that is true for the unbeliever. They hear the word of God, no action upon it whatsoever. It gets snatched away. But I believe there's also an application that we can make as Christians. If we hear the word of God and don't act upon it, it may not be Satan. It may be, but something is going to snatch it away. If we don't put it into practice, it's going back out uh, the same way it came in. Uh, now, verse 25 tells us that the person who looks into the Word of God, called by James here the perfect law of liberty, and I would love to get into that, but I think I'm running out of time. They're going to be blessed if they do three things. First of all, they're going to be blessed if they do what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read along here, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and does what? No, no, before that, before that. He and continues. I want you to see the idea of perseverance there. It not only involves hearing the word and doing the word, but it involves persevering in doing the word. All right, and now, second, being not a a forgetful hearer, the person will be blessed if they don't forget. And then going hand in hand with that, that person will be blessed if they they are doers where they act upon it. Forgetting and not doing go hand in hand. Not forgetting and doing go hand in hand. Uh, The key to understanding these three verses is caught up in two words in these verses. In verses 23 and 24, if you're reading the King James, you see the word behold there, right? That word behold is the Greek word katanoeo, katanoeo, and it means to consider carefully. Uh, In other words, what's the word picture there? I'm looking in the mirror, and I consider it carefully, right? In other words, I look at my hair, I look at my face, I look at my teeth, they need to be brushed, yes or no. I've considered it carefully. But in verse 25, you, and if you're reading the King James, you see the word look. I believe the ESV does a very bad job and translates all three of these as look. Uh, the King James does a much better word when it says behold and look. Different Greek word, parakupto. It means to stoop down and to peer within. The same word describe how Peter and John stooped down and peered within the empty tomb on the morning of Jesus' resurrection. Much more than just considering it. They stooped down and they peered within. It is not just enough to look into the mirror of the Word of God. Why? We tend to turn away from the mirror and forget what we've seen. That's the message of verses 23 and 24. So in just, instead of just looking into the mirror, what I believe this word telling us, this word paracupto, this word look, is telling us that we need to have a careful observation of that perfect law of liberty. Uh, stoop down, so to speak. Peer within. A careful examination 
and a humble application. I believe on the bottom of your handout you might have my paraphrase of verses 23 through 25. I'll read that and we'll end with that. Then open it up, see if anybody else has anything you want to say. Uh, This is the Lynn Cottle translation of verses 23 to 25. For if anyone is merely a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man who perceives his natural face in a mirror. For he perceives himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looked like. But the one who stoops down to peer into the perfect law of liberty, the law uh, and perseveres, being not merely a hearer of the word who forgets, but a doer of the word who acts, he will be blessed in his doing what the word tells him to do. Now that's my paraphrase, so to speak, of verses 23 to 25. And I think I think I might have doubled up some words in there on yours. I'm, when I read it, it didn't sound quite right. But anyway, that's the idea of verses 23 to 25. Now, that's everything I have in my notes. I by no means want to cut it off just because I'm finished, because you may not be finished. You may have something that you want to say, something that you want to add, perhaps a prayer uh, someone would like to pray, perhaps someone has a song you would like us to sing at the close, uh, and I invite any or all of that at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Is, is James is almost setting up a ridiculous situation there of someone who looks in a mirror and turns away and immediately forgets what I looked like. Uh, he, uh, James could well be doing that, setting up this this ridiculous situation. In other words, nobody would even think that you would look in a mirror and turn away and forget what you look like. How then would you look into the Word of God and turn away and not do what it says? I, I think you're you you're probably very very correct in, in that assessment. I, I think that's very accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Right. Yeah. So what you're saying there is the natural man looks in a mirror, turns away. It's ridiculous to think he would forget what he saw. The spiritual man looks into the mirror of the Word of God. It's ridiculous to expect him to turn away and not do what he read to do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or straight away. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point because how many times do you hear about a church that has got a new pastor and, and they realize that pastor may be teaching the Word of God and they say, oh, we're great. Teach the Word of God. Preach it, pastor. And then about six months or a year later, you find out that pastor's gone. Why? Because they really couldn't endure the Word of God. All right? Very good thoughts. Anybody else? Uh, Ann? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to be here for me, always. All right. Uh, does anybody okay and remind us what the context was okay all right okay yeah very good cease proverbs 19:27 cease listening to words of instruction my son and you will stray from the word of knowledge very good mm-hmm. uh yeah uh, uh i'm going to turn to it so that i get it so i get it right here proverbs 19:27 Proverbs 19, I'm failing my Bible drill this morning. Proverbs 19, 27. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Now, I don't, that, that didn't quite render it like the, I think you're reading the New King James there. Uh, but, but the idea is, if you cease, my son, to hear the instruction, then you will cometh to err from the words of knowledge. I think that's the intent of that verse there. King James renders it a, a little a little awkwardly. 
All right. Uh, anybody have a burden to pray or a song to close with today? All right. Well, why don't we do this? Lynn, you have a burden to pray. No one else has stepped forward. Why don't you uh, say a closing prayer for us? And then, John, if you'll come forward and we'll uh, have a closing 